This is the Employee to Entrepreneur podcast, the show for the family man who aspires to entrepreneurship. So if you're an aspiring dadpreneur, you are in the right place. I made this show for you because I am you. I'm your host, Brendan Ryan. And today I'm joined by a young gun out of New Zealand, Liam Shaw. And together we're going to talk about how much better you become entering into sales and how easy it is to get into remote closing. Liam, thanks for joining me today. You're very welcome, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. Very excited to have you on the podcast. I've been seeing your tweets lately about the absurd volume that you're doing with your sales call and just crushing it. So you're, you're just 23 years old, hail from New Zealand, and you're already a remote closer. How, can, how did you get there? Can you walk us through your journey um, through sales to, at, to this point? Yeah, man, for sure. So you, you had her basically right on. Um, I definitely do live over in New Zealand. The only thing that's different there is I'm actually Canadian. So I moved over to New Zealand about five years ago. So that's kind of when my journey into sales began, I suppose. I, I was definitely that kid that was super entrepreneurial growing up, you know, where I probably went door to door the first time selling at like 10 years old, <laughs> going and selling oh, wow. my snow shoveling services. You know, so you could say it was in the blood from a young age. But when I first got into it seriously, I got into door to door fundraising in New Zealand. And after the last three and a half years of doing that, I built up some pretty good resilience, you could say, in the base level of like skills to get into sales. And I've always wanted to do something online, you know, to be able to have like that freedom side of it. Mm-hmm. However, you could appreciate, you know, even though the money is great and door to door, you don't have the location freedom. <laughs> you still got to go out there where you are. So started jumping online. And um, after self-recruiting for about two weeks, I ended up landing my first offer. And that's where I've been the last month now. Yeah. So that's how we got it done by 23. Nice. Yeah. It, it's, uh, I think it's absolutely wild how easy it is to, to land some of these offers. Like you don't have to try for very long, as long as you interview even remotely. Well, <laughs> um, there's lots of offers that you can get on with an on target earning of, you know, 10 K plus the opportunity right now is, is great. So you, you mentioned you, you're from Canada and you moved to New Zealand. Did, did your family move there or was it you specifically that moved there? No, man. I was 19 and okay. I knew I wanted to go have a holiday. So the plan was to come here for six months. Okay. I'd be here six months, do some backpacking. I ended up falling in love with my now wife. Nice. <laughs> um, and yeah, thank you, mate. Thank you. We got married this last December. And kind of since ever since then, we're just like, yeah, New Zealand's home, at least for now in this foreseeable future. So that's how I ended up staying in New Zealand. But no, no family moved over with me. It was all by myself. Um, I've been traveling since a very young age, though. Like my family's always like just traveled. So that was pretty normal in my family. Right. Okay, cool. Gotcha. So you got you met your the love of your life, basically, when you were on holiday in New Zealand and then you decided to stay there. Yeah, genuinely, I met her. So my visa was like going to expire, like in about three weeks time. And I met her and like, literally, we hadn't even gone on a date yet. And I was like, I feel like extending my visa. This could be fun. <laughs> and literally, a whim went, extended wow. it. And I'm glad I did because, you know, we ended up here today. But yeah, that's wild, man. That's cool. Um, and then so the door to door experience, what, what, um, what were you selling door to door? Yeah, so very uniquely, there is a massive market in door-to-door fundraising and event-based fundraising. So that's working with some larger non-for-profit organizations. Um, In the States, you know Make-A-Wish? Yeah. Yeah, so Make-A-Wish is one of my biggest clients that I deal with here in New Zealand, Hmm. doing all their fundraising for them, getting their monthly and reoccurring donations. Gotcha. So, yeah. Working with non-for-profits was the main gig, man. The art of teaching someone to give you money for literally nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Just pure charity. (laughs) Pure charity, man. Four years of it. Gotcha. And then you transitioned into remote closing. And now you don't have to go door to door, you know, deal with the weather and all that kind of stuff. And um, 
yeah, like I said, taking an insane call volume. I saw on your Twitter bio that you've called over 60,000 people. Yeah, so that's referring to the 60,000 people is referring to the amount of people that I cold called going door to door. So, yeah, yeah. So I'd be impressed if I could have done 60,000 in the last month, I'll be honest. (laughs) It's a a big feat for anyone. Even with the power dialer, yeah. Yeah, exactly, man. I'd be having to go 24 hours a day, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just saw this um, insane, insanely cool ai that's a power dialer it's called air air dot ai and it has um a specific program on there called max and i don't know how it does it supposedly but the pickup rate's supposed to be a lot better on that as opposed to something like close.com or whatever so but anyway yeah, i actually have a, I have a buddy right now that's um interviewing and talking to them to work on their sales team oh yeah <laughs> yeah for um uh, air the air yeah. yeah yeah very cool um so what did you learn when you were when you were cold calling that many people oh, man it's a lot <laughs> but I, i'd say the top things is resilience you know i think too many people in life get comfortable don't get comfortable with the word no you know, they spend their life and they almost get offended every time someone tells them no, even if it's the smallest things, you know, like you ask a buddy to go out and have a beer with you. And he says, oh, no, man, I'm a little bit busy. You're a little bit kind of buttered. I find a lot. A lot of people are, you know, like, oh, why didn't you want to go out? But in reality, with everything you do in life, the most common answer you're going to get is no. Yeah. So the biggest lesson I learned with cold calling that much was how to take a no and realize that it's not meaning no to me. It's just no to that situation and that outcome of that day. Mm -hmm. How to not take it personally, basically. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the reality is you're, you're seem like a pretty stand up guy, right? We met fairly recently, but I'm sure if I caught you on your worst day, you're going to be a hell of a lot different than if I caught you on your best day. Yeah, for sure. Who isn't right? (laughs) Exactly. And that kind of like goes into when you're going door to door and just in life in general, you're going to catch people on their off days and realizing that it's not your fault. It's not their fault. It just happens. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why the traditional sales trajectory that most people are encouraged to go through either entails some type of outbound, right? So you, you start as a setter or you start as, you know, somebody that's going door to door, cold calling something where you're outbound and that, just makes you a better person. As you said, it makes you more resilient. It gives you thicker skin. Um, What would you say that you learned about people during that time? Oh, man, people, people. I have learned to love them even more and hate them in other aspects. (laughs) As you can probably imagine. The side that I love is just you meet the most genuine people when you talk to like you said i've done i've cold cost sixty thousand people right i have made some of lifetime friends door knocking and cold calling on them you know you meet some really really nice people on the flip side of that you meet some extreme assholes if you will you know like you do get both sides of the spectrum so in in order of like what i've learned to just there's so many different types of people out there and that you're not going to connect with everyone. Even if you really like them, there's some people that you're just not going to be able to connect with. And there's going to be other people that you didn't really think you were going to connect with, but they clicked with you. You know, and I think that's a really good life lesson for life because we all kind of go along and be like, Oh, why doesn't that person like us? And sometimes can take those things personally. But I think it's just a genuine reality of life that everyone's going to have different expectations of each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds a little cliche, but it's kind of that idea of you shouldn't judge a book by its cover type of thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Cause you never know, you never know. Um, and it, it could also be a timing thing too. You might be hitting people on a good day versus a bad day. So like you were mentioning earlier, so yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have any crazy or what's your, what's your most wild story? Would you say from your time going door to door? Do you have any, uh, situations where you, you got inside the house and it was just, uh, you know, kind of, kind of nuts in there. 
Man, there, there's been so many. Like, I can't tell you the amount of stories where I've gone to the door and the the mom's crying, the dad's freaking out, and, like, there's a baby that's just wandering down the street. And I chase after this kid because he got out the gate. And I, like, bring the baby back inside and, you know, like, what's going on, you know? And you instantly become almost like a therapist for the family. Like, they just start pouring out to you just because they you're the first person to come in contact with them. So wow. I could probably tell about 15 different stories like that. Um, then the amount of stories where you can go on where dogs, you know, I love dogs. I have a few dogs myself, but uh, when you're door knocking, they, they can get very vicious and uh, crazy if you're going on to private property, you know? Oh man. Yeah. I, I remember one door, in particular. I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember one in particular, man. I, um, I had, I was actually fundraising for an animal charity at the time. Funny enough. <laughs> Ironic. And yeah, I know, right? Great, great setup. <laughs> and I had basically gone onto this property. I could see there was a dog on site, and there was kind of like an abandoned car in the middle of the spot. All right. But there was the dog was tied to it. So I was like, okay, like, sure, there's a dog, but he's tied up. He, he wasn't the friendliest looking guy, but I was like, he's tied up. Like, what are we going to do? It'll be fine. I was like, I can, get a, I can get around, go to the house, no worries. So I get inside, and you know how, like, old rusty cars aren't, like, the strongest anymore? Mm-hmm. So he was tied to, like, the door handle of, like, the car. So, like, yeah, the handle onto the car. And I came into the gate, and this dude ripped the handle right off. And he came sprinting at me. Full-on sprinting. I, I remember, unfortunately, man, I had to lay that dog out. I, I had to give him a good old one, too, and, and send him back to Kingdom Cup. Um, <laughs> he blew back. I, I was like, oh, screw this. I'm not going to this house. And I like, ran out. As I'm trying to shut their gate, I literally break their gate because I like run through it. <laughs> I was like, no. And then trying to like lean the gate up a gate so the dog can't get out. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, what's going on? <laughs> 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 I'm imagining the the homeowner either coming home or coming out of their house and seeing their dog knocked out on their yard, the the door handle for the car broken off, and their and their gate is broken. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be very honest. I did not return to that house. <laughs> like that, I stripped it off the list for that time. <laughs> what kind of dog was it? It was like, um, oh, what are those called? Like. Not a pit bull, but that kind of breed. Okay. Yeah, one yeah. of the vicious types. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was like, it was ready to kill me, but I was like, oh, it's tied up. It'll be fine. No. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you don't miss that being on remote closing now, huh? Yeah, it's um, it's definitely it's definitely different on that side. I, I do appreciate not having to be attacked by dogs. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least I kept it interesting, though. You know, you got get outside, get some exercise, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I was averaging 20,000 steps a day, you know. So mm-hmm. definitely getting the footsteps in. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the one downside, I think, of remote closing, at least for me, is like at some point during the day after like six hours of being inside, I get a little antsy and I'm like, man, I need to like just go for a walk, hit the gym. I, I even just dropped and did pushups today because I'm like so antsy, you know? Um, but I mean, it does be getting chased by dogs for sure. No doubt about that. Well, I got all my board right behind me. I got my daily pushup count going on <laughs> in yeah, between calls, man. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. what would you say um most people get wrong when they're doing outbound so they're they're either cold calling or dming or whatever what would you say people mess up at Uh, they too many people let the last answer affect their next you know i mean it's so simple to say that hey just because the last 10 people have said no doesn't mean the next one's going to say no, but it's also so simple to allow it to, you know, when people get, keep getting told no all the time, they almost start to project that answer onto the new prospect. And I've seen it so many times, like with new sales guys that I've trained is like, they'll go around and they'll be like, Oh, you probably don't want to get involved. Do you? 
and they'll ask in that way. And it's like, why, why would you ever do that? Right. But it's because they had received about 20 of the last no's. So mm. people tend to take the, what we call it, taking the baggage from the last door to the next door, you know, taking all that yeah. negative connectivity, you know, like the wrong answers, the wrong mentality. If someone told you, no, I'm not interested or you suck or whatever it might be taking all that with you to the next door. When in reality, the next door has nothing to do with the previous one. Mm-hmm. So that's the biggest thing people mess up because it, it can kill them. I mean, if you take bad information, you continue to have like those bad vibes <laughs> in the easiest sense of it to each house. You're never going to get a positive output because you only get what you give. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mindset is so important for sure. Yeah. If you're not in the right mindset, it's going to rub off on that prospect and it's just not going to go well. So how did you cope with that then? Is Was there anything that you you did to adapt to that i think the the best thing that i've always done is just keeping in mind there's a ratio and instead of like fearing a no being excited for it so like when i'd show up to a house i did not care like genuinely do not care if they say yes or no the same when i get onto remote closing now whether they get involved or don't i do not give a shit because i know with enough time my law of averages is going to pay up mm-hmm. so i'm even thankful when it is a yes or a no that as long as I continue to get those, I'm going to get what the outcome I want. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if, for myself, you know, it was about a one in 10 on the doors. So if I want to talk to 10 people and say I hadn't got a yes yet, all 10 of them have said no. I'm actually getting really excited because I'm like, oh, man, there's a sale right around the corner. Law of averages is having to pay out. Yeah. And then it's going to be coming. You know, and it would actually motivate me and I'd turn the condensation of the the negative side that people would usually be like oh this is terrible everyone said no but like no that means there has to be a yes coming Mm -hmm. yeah it's kind of that concept of like i'm i'm due for for a close here soon yeah exactly yeah we were talking before the call about how you were you mentioned that your short-term memory has gotten worse as you've been in in closing and it kind of reminded me actually of athletes right like if they make a bad play that they um they have to get over it quick because they have to be on point, they have to be focused, they have to be in their peak state and in flow. And so you, you can't dwell on, you know, that missed shot or whatever it is. You have to go on to the next play. The same thing in sales. You, you have to be kind of a high-performance individual and you have to move on. You have to not let that negativity get to you, which is tough, man. Like I said, I think that um, outbound makes you a better person. You know, that's why I think we have guys start there for sure so 100%. with all this insane volume that i see you you doing on twitter man like you, you you're doing i think i think did i see you did like 21 calls the other day or something like that yeah we had 29 calls um, booked on the schedule which was a little crazy that day we end up doing 60 in a weekend 60 in a weekend wow wow how long is that day uh, I worked from 9.30 a.m. till 2 a.m. Okay. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. So, so 15 hours? Yeah, uh, 18. About 17, 17 and a half hours. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I did that math wrong. <laughs> yeah. 18 hours. Good Lord. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah so man. what makes you so hungry? Like, what motivates you to put in that amount of volume? You know, who says it best? Alex Ramosi. You know, he says when you are looking for a solid sales guy, you don't go and look for someone that has no meaning, that has no family, that has no responsibility. Mm. Because they're the ones that are going to go make a big check and then blow it over the next couple of months and then come back and make it again once they've run out. Mm. But to be very honest, you know, I, I'm, I do have a wife and I, I have my first child on the way and nice. I have goals. Yeah, yeah. My first baby girl's coming in September, man. Congrats. Appreciate Congrats. it. Any kids I have yourself? Two. Yeah, I have uh, two. I have a, a three-year-old girl and a one-year-old boy. There we go. There we go, man. Yeah. Well, soon, soon, hopefully, that'll be myself. Nice. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's fun, for sure. I, I love it when they're like the three years old age. They, they get fun. I'm super pumped about it, man. I've been, me and the wife have been waiting until we got married this last December to have to start trying. And thankfully we got uh, pregnant right away. So come September, we'll be having our first little one. That's awesome. 
Yeah. But I love that. What you said about, um, you know, I guess it came from Alex Ramosi. I, I must have, I love Alex Ramosi, but I must have missed that quote, but it makes a sense that, uh, a strong purpose, a strong why for a salesman is, is really important. Um, and you know, he's relating it to, because you have that sense of responsibility essentially, you know, to, in this sense, in this case to your family, um, versus maybe, you know, a young guy that doesn't. Yeah, man. I mean, to, to be fair, that that's the biggest motivation. However, I, I think I've always been the type where if I do something, I'm going to do it at the best of my ability. Mm-hmm. You know, um, say for instance, you said it's a lot of call volume and, and I do agree. It, it is a lot, right? But I believe that another Alex Ramosi quote for it is like, you have to pay down your ignorance debt. So, if I were to do that, I'd say five calls a day, and I only took five calls a day, it's going to take me a hell of a lot longer where if I can take 30 calls, now I got to pay it down five, six times as quick just because I was more efficient with my time and worked harder that day. So for me, getting into remote closing is it's been something fairly new. You know, it's been like coming up to the first month with it is I wanted to pay down that ignorance debt as quickly as I could because if I can put in, you know, Oh, I don't even know how many I'm at now, but at least a couple hundred calls and it hasn't even been three weeks. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people that would normally take them say three months or so. So being able to kind of cram all that information in a very short period of time, is going to first allow me to develop up my skills, but then more importantly, allow myself to scale back while still maintaining the same level of sales. Because eventually the goal is to do seven to eight calls a day while having like a 40 to 50% close rate. So then I'm still closing the same amount of deals. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. You're so right now you're in, you're in volume mode because you're putting in the reps trying to get better. hundred percent. Got it. I thought when I asked you about, uh, volume and you, you started about saying, you know, that you're going to whip out a quote, I thought for sure you were going to give me a Grant Cardone quote. (laughs) (laughs) Which one were you expecting? I don't know, but I mean, Grant Cardone's the guy that's, uh, you know, massive action and everything. So, um, you know, I, I've heard some people say that sales is a numbers game. And then I've heard other people, like I think Grant Cardone says that. I'm not, I'm not sure actually, but um, I've, I think he, I think he would say that, right? Um, so say Grant Cardone says sales is a numbers game, and then you have another guy on the other end of the spectrum, like say a Jeremy Miner or something like that, that says that sales is not a numbers game. Where, where do you fall on that spectrum? Would you say? <clears throat> History has told me that sales is a numbers game. However, just because there's numbers in play doesn't mean mine and your ratios are going to be the same. Yeah. So I think, I think as a blanket statement, like you're a liar if you say that there isn't numbers, because if I gave you five calls and you gave me 500, I'm going to beat you. Okay. Mm -hmm. However, if you and me both did 500 calls, it's not going to come down to the numbers at that point. It's going to come down to the skill and the ability to connect with that person each and every single moment. Sure. Yeah. All else being equal, of course, right? There's a lot of nuances, but yeah, yeah, I I think that, yeah, probably the correct answer is that it's, it's obviously both. Right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) At least in the beginning, I think that that's spot on. I think that that's what most people should do is they should put in the reps. I think so many people um, get too scared basically to, to do what you're doing and just put in a ton of reps because really that's the, that's the fastest track to getting good fast. You can, you know, read all the sales books you want, take all the sales courses you want. But at the end of the day, if you're not actually applying it, it, it's kind of a waste of your time and money. You know what I mean? You have to put in the reps for sure. Yeah. No, I I feel like, uh, it's a, a little bit of that new classic saying, it's like everyone that goes and, has been buying the online courses and reads a book and you know, they're just, they're knowledge masturbating <laughs> in the easiest yep. sense of it. They, right. they do it because short term it feels great, but you're still not having sex, mate. It, it's yeah. not the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, I think, yeah, it's like mental masturbation or something like that. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, yeah. Uh, there we go. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's analysis paralysis, right? Because so, you know, the, the show is called employee to entrepreneur and sometimes we'll talk about the mindset shifts that need to occur 
if you're used to being an employee versus going into entrepreneurship. And that is one of the things that has to happen is that you stop being a perfectionist because our school systems teach us basically to be a perfectionist. You only get to turn in that paper one time and you have to do the best that you can to get the A on the paper in that one time. But that's not really how life works. You Usually you get multiple chances at things just like sales or whatever. You can keep putting in the reps and keep getting better and better. And so you have to switch your mindset to massive action, right? Grant Cardone style. Um, and that realize that done is better than perfect. It's just one of the very many uh, mental shifts that need to occur when you're going from employee to entrepreneur. Um, you mentioned that you know, you might have had like a, a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit yourself selling your own snow shoveling services when you're like 15 or whatever. Do you come from an entrepreneurial family? Not at all. Well, not traditionally. I mean, I think, I think everyone, or at least growing up, my parents always tried to start things and I guess they were fairly entrepreneur. Like my mom and dad opened a restaurant for a little while. They had it for about a year, year and a half. Um, and finances and everything, it just wasn't clicking over as much as it could. They, I guess they had a catering business for a while. Yeah, I suppose I did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, growing up, that, that was when they were, I was younger. Um, as I got older, they actually went back to school and became nurses. So then that side of the entrepreneur spirit, I guess, like around 12, 13, went away. And it was purely just like working for yourself. Uh, sorry, working for someone else. You know what I mean? They did it through, I guess, yeah, I guess even still a little bit more of an entrepreneur side because, you know, in the States and in Canada, you they're nurses. So you can either work directly for the hospital or you can contract yourself out. Okay. So they do contract contracts. So they'll go spend, we live in Manitoba. Well, they live in Manitoba, but they'll go to like British Columbia and they'll spend three weeks over there. And then they'll come back. And like, that's how they do their work. So they never are actually employed by anyone. They just contract themselves out. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 Like a travel nurse type thing is, uh, I think what we call it, at least down here in Florida. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it keeps things interesting, right? As far as I know, they get paid a little bit better than if you were just yeah. to stay in one place. But I yeah, think the benefits might be a little different. Close yeah. to double? <laughs> yeah, close to double, man. Holy moly. That's a lot more than I thought. Yeah. Like they'll get paid. They'll get paid because they get paid to travel as well, like per diem. And like per hour, they're getting paid like 45 bucks an hour just to drive to their job. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And if they were working as a nurse, they'd get paid like maybe 30, maybe 31 bucks in Canada, like because they've been doing it a while, right? So, yeah. 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 The reason I asked about if your family was entrepreneurial and by the way, I would say that they, they were right. Like they might not have had success, but like, I don't think most families or most parents tried to start a restaurant, you know, or a catering business or whatever it might have been. So they, they did definitely had that itch. They had that spirit at some point, even though it might not have worked out the way that they intended it to. Um, but I like to say that sales is the gateway drug to entrepreneurship. And I say that for a, a variety of reasons. Um, one being that some of the greatest entrepreneurs ever got started in sales, even the current ones. Like take, take for instance, a Gary V or even an Alex Ramosi. Most people wouldn't think of him as like he got started per se in sales necessarily, but like he essentially, his gym launch business was had a huge sales component and he had to be a great salesman for his own gyms that he started himself. So it, it always starts with sales. It always starts with sales. Even guys like a Mark Cuban or um, even Warren Buffett, which most people wouldn't consider maybe an entrepreneur, at least at, not at this point. Um, they all got started in sales. All their stories start in sales. Um, so what do you think of that? Do you ever have you ever had dreams of um, owning your own business or anything like that? Yeah, no, 100%. It definitely is the gateway. So fast forward into <clears throat> the door-to-door -door fundraising side of things. And oh, goodness, what is that? 19 months ago, coming up, yeah, just over a year and a half ago, I actually opened up my own company. So I was doing everything, running the show. So I was still working in sales. I was just working and still doing the fundraising. I was just in charge of it, if that makes sense. So I had my own company set up, had my own contracts, and we went out on our own. Um, and extremely the gateway 
Do you know what I mean? Now, now I see myself continuing to look for those new opportunities. And, and it was one of the biggest reasons that I wanted to get into remote sales because I would love to have, say, my own type of coaching offer one day where I'm helping other people learn how to do sales like I did. And I don't think you can do that without the um, information. I'm a, I'm a big believer in uh, failing on someone else's dollar. <laughs> if you can learn, you should go and do that before you launch your own. So you have some credibility and you've learned while they're paying you instead of while you're having to pay out for everything. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that is the typical trajectory there. A lot of guys will go have success in remote closing and then they'll become a coach or they might have their own sales agency or recruiting agency or something like that. Um, I was talking to a guy the other day that's even making, um, some software for like call reviews and stuff. So there's lots of opportunities here that you can piggyback off of sales. But even if you don't, have like this direct connection to sales with whatever you do eventually, like you, you could literally take sales and apply it to like any anything. business model. Yeah. Like anything, like literally anything. Cause the thing is like, if you can't sell, you can't have a business period. If there's no money coming in, it, it, you don't have a business like it. And so it cracks me up sometimes when you have these, um, for lack of a better term, these entrepreneurs, right? These want to be entrepreneurs. <laughs> Yeah, that um, that, you know, they're geeking out on whatever product or service they want to bring to the market. But they're like, oh, I'm not a salesman. And it's like, dude, you're trying to build a business. You're going to have to be a salesman. Like there's that's not how it works. (laughs) You know, I can't remember who says this, but it's like every single interaction that you do in life, you're selling. So you're either get, getting sold to or you're selling. You know that the first girl that you ever went on a date with, you closed her. You know, you closed her on taking you on that offer. When your buddy wants to go to the movies and you don't want to go, you closed him on. You didn't want to go. You know, every single interaction that you have, there's a degree of sales in it. I think a lot of people don't like to acknowledge that, though, because the whole classic salesman has such a bad condemnation you know everyone thinks of the the sleazy car salesman (laughs) you know what i mean and i think that's why a lot of uh folks online the last couple years have like rebranded themselves as consultants and (laughs) gone through that side i was talking to a a guy that was in medical device sales earlier today and he's like oh yeah i'm a medical device consultant i was like oh yeah what does that mean you do he's like oh i I, like sell medical devices i was like oh so you're uh medical device salesman he's like oh no no, no consultant <laughs> I was like, okay yeah. All right, sure. and it just yeah. i think people hate that word just from the negativity that it can come with it but the reality is everything's selling yeah yeah no I, that might have been um grant cardone again he has a book called um seller be sold but yeah everything is sales right there's a persuasive element to literally every human interaction and mastering persuasion mastering influence is will carry over to literally everything in your life right like winning a girlfriend getting a job interview um making your kids go to bed at the right time every night or you know persuading your friends to do what you want to do that day whatever it, it goes on and on so it yeah everything is sales 100 percent for sure um it, it's uh really Earlier, you had asked me what were the top things that I learned from going door to door and cold calling. Mm-hmm. I'd say now, if I had to break it down and like quantify it, it would be obviously resilience, yes, but also my storytelling abilities and my ability to persuade. Yeah, you know? storytelling yeah. is huge, man. Massive. Yeah, it brings someone from the out? world they're in now, and it takes them over to the world that you're wanting to be. Do you know what yeah. I mean? You can completely change their entire view. Yeah, man. I remember when I was in college and there was a course in storytelling and I remember thinking how absolutely ridiculous that is. I was like, what the hell do they learn in that? That's so retarded or whatever. Right. And now I'm kicking myself because I'm like, man, I wish I took that course. <laughs> like, I would have been like light years ahead of where I am now because I'm over here reading story worthy. Um, I got story selling over here on the bookshelf. Like, I'm all about the storytelling now because it is 100% a powerful, persuasive tool. Absolutely. How did you weave it into your sales? I do it from a personal side. So I believe the best type of stories is for you talking first person because as soon as you start to like project a story about like them, it's not real. 
you know, and it's very hard and it's kind of like corny and cheesy for them to like envision your life. Let's say you're doing this. I'd rather be like, Hey, look, man, this is what I'm doing. And when I was seeing, and even when I'm talking about students be like, man, I was talking to this guy earlier today and he was telling me exactly how we were able to get him from $10,000 a month to a hundred thousand dollars a month within the last 24 months. It, it was crazy. I, I, it blew my mind. And now I'm still telling him the story of that person, but it doesn't sound like I'm just saying, Hey, this was a success story that we had, but I'm saying my reaction to it, which just makes it way more genuine. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. When you, when you, if you ever, have you ever read story worthy? I can't say I have. No, I'll have to write it down and add it to the list. It is, it is a fantastic book on storytelling. It's by Matthew Dix. (laughs) Unfortunate last name. Um, but, uh, absolutely incredible book for sure. Best one on storytelling that I know of. Um, so yeah, I mean that, that makes tons of sense. And I think that, he even says as much in the book is like, you, you really have to kind of put yourself in the scene and like paint the picture and all that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, there's lots of really great points in there. What was the book called again? It was by Matthew Dix. But what was it called? Story worthy. Story worthy. Nice. Take a note now before I forget. Eh? Yeah. You got to read that one, man. It's great. <laughs> I will. I will. I'll probably audio book it. I'm one of those guys. I like chuck on the audio books in the background while working out. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah, I just went through, um, way of the wolf again, just cause I had it in the audiobook library. <laughs> I got it. Yeah. I got it in the background there for myself. <laughs> yeah. So with regards to sales, do you think, do you think anybody can be, can be a salesman? Can anybody do remote closing? Yes. Anyone can do it. However, I think it's really silly when someone comes and like, you know, say on Twitter, for instance, I've been posting, as you've seen the last like couple months, pretty consistently. And I've been getting more and more people come to me and message me, be like, Hey man, like I've never done sales. Like how do I get into closing? And my honest answer is you can do it, but you're probably going to be better off if you go do at least some type of outbound before you try to become a closer. Kind of like we were talking earlier. I mean, whether it be door to door or if you really want to work on the phones and, you know, do this kind of stuff, then at least be doing outbound cold outreach, be a setter, go out there and really earn your stripes. Because when you do that, it like, first off, you get the basis of information. You become such a better person, as you said. But the second thing is it almost turns it into easy mode when you go into a closing position. Like that classic saying, like, you, how hard you train if you out-train how hard a game is, the game's going to be easy. Do you know what I mean? I think it, yeah. it was either Kobe or Michael Jordan that always said, like, the games were so much easier than the practices. Mm. Yeah. And, and that's why. And that's kind of like, for me, it felt like when I did my the last four years on door-to-door, that was my training. I always told myself, like, this is the training ground. This stuff's going to set me up for life. Whatever I do, sales or not sales, it's setting me up for life. And now, genuinely, when I came into this – I find it so easy because I have people that want to talk to me, people that are wanting to be there. So you put half an effort in and now the, it goes a lot more effortless compared to if that's your first expectation, I think it could actually mess some people up pretty bad if they went straight into closing without having an outbound. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I got my first official closing role, I was kind of like, wait, so I, I just sit here and have people book inbound leads on my calendar for me. <laughs> like, this is pretty sweet. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I can relate. Man. Can definitely relate to that idea of it being, you know, a relief and thinking like, wow, this is uh easier than I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, no, hundred percent, man. It's uh incredibly different and a lot easier when you've gone from the one to the other. Yeah, absolutely. So where do you see yourself, say, in like three years from now? Are you still going to be doing closing or are you going to have um, another business or two over your own? Yeah. So, I mean, I found that I really, really love sales. However, I am definitely an entrepreneur at heart. And I, I think that I'll always have that spirit in me. And I say that because I'm definitely going to always have my own businesses. Now, that being said, I, I don't think I'll ever be able to um, 
not work with people. I like the idea of partnering with other businesses, but that's still as my own entity, if that makes sense. Where, say, Brendan, you have a business and you have your offer that you're growing, but you need some help getting there. So I'm going to come over to you. I'm going to join you. We're going to go venture in it together. But I'm doing that because I'm not your employee. I'm your equal. Do you know what I mean? So that's what I see myself doing long term is helping other businesses grow via that um, sales agency route in a, in a sense of the way building out sales teams. I mean, just because I look around at the amount of people that I know in the sales world that aren't in online sales because they do door to door and they do things like that, that I know could absolutely smash it. It's like, it seems like a very uh, silly idea to not transition them online when I have the relationships. And so I suppose at the moment it's building all the relationships to be able to start that to continue to be able to excel that along with investments. I mean, I'm really big into my property. It's what the coaching offer that I'm working on at the moment is about, but I have a couple properties myself and just continuing to grow that side of it as well. Nice. Yeah. Some real estate. That's awesome. Can't go wrong there for sure. Yeah. You hit on something that I think is sort of the future of a lot of the consulting and B2B space, if you will. Um, I think increasingly we're going to see more and more people not just do the monthly retainer model as much anymore, where you just charge, you know, a couple thousand bucks a month to do X, Y, Z services, whether it's digital marketing or, you know, set up their sales process or whatever it might be. But the idea of partnering with them, like you said, and taking some equity, even if it's just a minority stake, um, so that the incentives are aligned, but Doing that has so much more of a long-term upside than taking a standard flat fee monthly recurring revenue retainer ever will. Even though that sounds great, like we think that this idea, like if we can just accumulate, like you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of these couple grand monthly retainers will be set, right? But what's so much better is further down the line, if you're really playing the long game, is to have that equity. Because some of those companies could go to the moon and then you'll be sitting really pretty someday. No, 100%. And I think that comes down to, and this might throw a lot of like agency owners under the bus, but I think a lot of agency owners do it to get the quick buck. So they, they want the upfront, you know, they want those monthly retainers because they're, you know, and I have nothing against outsourcing and doing that. Like, please use the resources at your disposal. It's a great idea. However, make sure that your clients are getting the best damn results. Do you know what I mean? Don't offer a big ass retainer to a business because it's their first time and you got them involved or you, you got them, if you will, but provide a tremendous level of value and take a percentage of it when they're not at their best, you know, rate and they do need that help where you, first off, you're putting them in a better position to succeed. But then the harder you work, the better your returns are, which to me, obviously, being in sales, I'm sure similar to yourself, Brendan, that I like my results to always be tied to my output, my input, not just you pay me a salary. Otherwise, I'd go work on a salary. You know what I mean? I want to be continually rewarded for the work I put in and vice versa. If I don't put in the work, I don't want to be rewarded. I don't think I should be. Yeah. Yeah. That's how entrepreneurship works, right? That's yet another mindset shift that has to occur when you go from employee to entrepreneur. When you're an employee, you get paid usually hourly or salary or whatever. And you you get paid, you know, not to say that there's no performance, you know, measured in there at all, right? You have to at least hit certain performance standards to keep your job. But, uh, but with entrepreneurship and in sales, you're, you are paid exclusively on performance. That is the only thing that gets you money is you have to perform to, to get money. So yeah, man, that's uh that's a hundred percent spot on. So if you, if you had a friend that was wanting to get into remote sales, even if it was just uh, becoming a setter at first, um, what advice would you give them? So the advice would come from like, First off, if they have some money or if they don't, um, I think before you go pay for any courses, regardless, before you pay for any coaching, go and get a job to make sure it is something that you want to do. If you can stick it out for a month of making no money and you're taking, you know, if you're say you're in a setting position, you're doing two, 300 calls a day and you do that every single day for a month. Okay, cool. You're probably going to be cut out to be in sales. 
now you can go pay for a coach and a mentor if you want to do so to just make the fa- the process a bit faster. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't put in that time, I think so many people, and I got a great like example of this, but so many people dive straight into something because they feel like it's the new thing, but they don't actually want to do it. You know, and when I was growing up, I, I loved the gym. I've always loved the gym. I had a buddy. He's like, man, I want to get into the gym with you. I was like, all right, man, perfect. Let's do it. And before he had even stepped foot into the gym, we went to the uh, supplement store. We bought him like 300 bucks of supplements. We uh, took him to the, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. We went full out. We went and bought him a couple hundred dollars worth of clothes. Like he, he spent like half of his savings and he bought a year's membership. The dude rolled his ankle. Okay. So just like sprained his ankle right before we were supposed to go to the gym. He never, and I repeat, never went to the gym. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like that exactly there is how people end up doing into remote closing and into sales online is they buy all the stuff, but they don't actually ever do it. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's exactly what I was getting at when I said earlier that you can read all the sales books you want and take all the courses and all that kind of stuff. But if you don't put in the reps, you're, you're never going to get good at it. You're never going to make it your income, you know, and that that goes also for almost any, um, you know, internet money model online, whether you're thinking about getting into drop shipping or you're thinking about getting into digital marketing or whatever it might be. I think that happens to so many people. They geek out and get all excited about it. And then when it comes time to actually do the work, <laughs> they're like, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, no, hundred percent, man. And it's a real shame. It is a real shame. But at the same time, I am, <laughs> I love Andrew Tate when he quotes, you know, we do need normies out there. If there's no normies to fill up my car and uh, make my burgers, who, who would do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. In the, <laughs> entre- in the uh, you know, money Twitter space, entrepreneurial space, we love to hate on the idea of having a nine to five, but we do need some people <laughs> that are employees. Entrepreneurship is definitely not cut out for everybody, right? Like you, you definitely have to be a certain way. Like for instance, you have to have a very high risk tolerance to be an entrepreneur. You had to be able to, to tolerate risk, you know? So there, there's a lot of things that, uh, it's not for everybody. Let's just put it that way. It's a, it's a rare breed. A hundred percent. I mean, you hit, you kind of hit a nail on the head is you do have to have that level of risk tolerance. Like I don't know anyone that is an entrepreneur today that didn't take some sort of massive risk throughout their journey. And usually those risks are at the beginning, but I feel like you can even really truly see the entrepreneurs when they start to take some of those risks when they're at the high levels. That's what really inspires me. You know, mm-hmm. you see yeah. some of the guys that are worth quite a bit of money and they take a massive chunk of their net worth to get it going again. And you're just like, whoa. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's quite inspiring. And those are the ones you can tell are the lifers. You know, they didn't just do entrepreneur to set them up and retire. They did it because they love it and they're going to continue to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's love of the game. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name right now. Uh, it's the guy that did. He's super famous on YouTube. Um, you know the brand of food? It's like fitness food that's like junk food, but it's healthy. Hmm. Oh my goodness! Why can I not remember his name? It's not like Dave Asprey for Bulletproof Coffee, right? No, no, I don't think it's Dave Asprey from Bulletproof Coffee. Um, it's like he he made like. Um, chips and stuff that were like they're like snacks but like they don't have all the calories and everything in them so it's Mm -hmm. like the healthier version I can't remember anyway he basically when he got out of that it was like a couple billion dollar exit so he ended up with like half a billion you know when he exited the company and his risk tolerance level he had a wife and kids so he he said he like look he put some money aside for the wife and kids but then he took the rest of it and he's just like i'm ready let's go next adventure and to me that was just so inspiring because you could tell that entrepreneurial for him wasn't something that he was doing to have the end game but it was the end game you know the whole journey itself yep yep absolutely it's all about the journey man yeah i i think um you realize that eventually, like after you've been grinding and hustling for a while, you, you realize that like 
when you do hit those goals, you always end up making more goals anyway. And you realize eventually that you just love, love the grind. Um, that's when you really make it, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah so Liam, where can people find you if they want to follow you on Twitter or do you got any other social profiles, by the way? Yeah. So Twitter's the number one spot at the moment. Follow me on Twitter. Um, my own podcast is coming out and the first episode's out, but we're starting to ramp it up very soon. And that's, uh, uh, inside the mind of a CEO. So you can find that on YouTube, but it'll also be linked to the, to the Twitter account. So stay tuned on Twitter. It's where I'm the most active. Okay. What, what are you going to be talking about on your, your pod? Yeah. So my podcast, it, I liked me. I'm a nitty gritty guy. I love numbers. I'm a very nosy individual. So it's going to be going into people's journey so far as an entrepreneur, what it's been like to start from the very beginning, what got them into it, but more importantly, how they're doing, you know, like how are they doing today compared to the day one Uh and how much progress have they made? Or if they haven't made progress, why haven't they? And really getting nitty gritty on that. I like to see, Uh, There's going to be a whole line of it coming to everything from obviously online entrepreneurs, people that are in sales to someone that is running a quality, um, what do you call that? Quantity surveying officer, you know, where they like survey land. (laughs) That's his like full-time job because he does that for himself. So different things along the way. So you can see what it's like to be inside someone that runs that business. Maybe you want to know what it's going to be like to be in, uh, an electrical engineer, but you don't want to go to school and do it first, jump onto the pod, see what it's like to actually own that business. Yeah, that sounds great. So guys, if you're listening, be sure to check out Liam's podcast in this inside the mind of a CEO when it comes out, or it sounds like it might be launching, or you said you already had the first episode. Yeah. For, first episodes out there. First episodes out there. What platforms is it on? It's on YouTube. On YouTube. Okay. Awesome. And yeah, if you're watching this on YouTube, please like and get, like and subscribe. If you're on Apple Podcasts, I'd appreciate it if you left the show a review. It really helps the show out. And guys, if you're thinking about jumping into sales, jumping into entrepreneurship, please, please do so. It's a lot of fun. And I really, really believe that the world needs more entrepreneurs because entrepreneurs solve problems. And Lord knows we have a lot, enough of those. So join me, join Liam, make the transition from employee to entrepreneur, and we will see you on the other side.